Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Why, hello, friends. It's Kate Warman here, and I am so thrilled to be welcoming you back to the Heart of Dating podcast this week. You guys, you're listening to season five of the podcast. I can't even believe we are in season five of the podcast. What a journey these last few years have been. Now, before we get into the content for today's episode, I want to ask if you'll help us make season five the best season ever. We are a family and a community over here, and we want to continue to act like one. So that being said, I have a few questions and requests for you. First of all, you guys, we're here to serve you. We want to address your biggest pain points, your biggest hardships, your most prominent questions. So will you do us a favor and help us know what you want to hear and who you want to hear it from? You can email us with all of your thoughts and suggestions at info at hodpodcast.com, including any episode topics as well as guests you'd love to hear on the podcast and why. You can also go ahead and DM us over on Instagram at at heartofdating. And to follow up with our announcement from last week's podcast episode and launch of season five, we are really committed to having a wider variety of voices on the podcast, including people from varying ethnic backgrounds and specifically black Christians. You guys, we realize in some ways we've fallen into a bit of a white bubble with this podcast, and I don't want that to continue. I want to change that. So will you join us in suggesting speakers from varying ethnic backgrounds and different topics so that we can address them for you guys in this community? Second, will you do us another favor and rate and review our podcast here on iTunes? These ratings really help our podcast to continue to stay on the charts and get discovered by more and more single and dating couples. So it would mean the world if you would rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And then would you do us a favor and screenshot either this episode right now or your favorite episode and post it to Instagram and tag us on Instagram or maybe even text it to one of your friends and tell them, hey, there's this awesome dating podcast I discovered. Would love for you to listen to it with me. Okay, that's it for announcements for today. Now let's get into the episode. I am so thrilled about this conversation I'm bringing to you today. Now, a few years ago, I went on a journey to discover more about masculinity and what it meant to really be a quote unquote man in today's society. I read so many books and I listened to sermons and podcasts and I even watched documentaries and honestly, all the things I found out blew my mind. There is so much that I believe needs to be discussed more prominently here. And then, lo and behold, a really good friend of mine, Nathan Clarkson, came out with a book on this topic from a Christian perspective. Heyo, so good. So today, I invited Nathan Clarkson on to talk about what it takes to really be a good man. Nathan Clarkson is an actor, best-selling author, 
filmmaker and full-time wannabe philosopher on the podcast, The Overthinkers. He has appeared in numerous TV shows and films, runs indie film studio, Clarkson Creations, and is the author of the recent book, Good Man. Nathan lives between New York City and Los Angeles in his hometown of Monument, Colorado, where he hangs out with his golden retriever, Darcy. Now you guys, if you're a man right now listening to this episode, I just want to say you're going to really enjoy this conversation, and I believe it will help you to feel seen as well as challenge you in a variety of capacities. I want to encourage you as well to share this conversation with your other brothers. And as for the ladies listening today, this is going to be really helpful for you too, sisters. We need to be able to partner with our brothers and be a part of healing in the areas that have been confusing, that have been hurtful, and maybe even harmful to men in their formation of masculinity. So you guys, I'm super excited for you to hear this conversation today with my friend, Nathan Clarkson. Nathan Clarkson. hey Welcome to Heart of Dating today. Good to be here. I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. And it's just so cool how our worlds have kind of collided and connected. And I'm so excited to today announce and talk about your incredible book that you had come out in May. Would you just tell us a little bit about, first of all, who you are, and then a little bit about this book, which I believe is your first book. Is that right? Yeah. So it's my first solo book. I had a book out, uh, come out a while ago called Different, and that was about Ah, mental health and my journey with that as a kid going into an adult. And this one is called Good Man. And uh, it's pretty much exactly what the title is. It's looking into who men were created to be. And it's it's looking at culture and all the ways that men are lost today and the identity crisis that men are going through. And as far as who I am, I am an actor. I'm an author, as you know, and a filmmaker. I live from New York to LA, and I often go to my hometown in Colorado. I love everything creative. I love films and hiking and living life to the fullest and traveling. And uh, I definitely have a heart for helping both myself and the people around me and whoever reads my books or hears my voice to understand and that they were created, they have purpose in this world, they have a design behind who they are and who they're meant to be and inviting everyone on this journey as we all figure out who we were created to be. And this book deals with who men were created to be. Oh, I love that. And we've talked about this at length, but when you first told me about a year and a half ago, I think that you were right in the middle of writing this book. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited and pumped that you are writing this because it was about two years ago that, and I actually will be honest, I don't know what triggered me into like wanting to study this, but I went into like a deep dive of like, what is masculinity and why do we seemingly have so many problems about what that is and what that really means? Even though I'm not a man, I certainly deal with lots of men in my life. I Mm -hmm. am hoping to marry a man, you know, like all the things. So I want to figure out more about what that looks like. And so I read a bunch of different books and articles and watched some documentaries and listen to podcasts. And I was like, oh my gosh, my heart was breaking. And in fact, um, I'm just going to read some a few things that you share in your book, Good Man. These are directly statistics that you have. So just so everyone can hear this, this is this was astounding to me. So the rate of suicide among men is almost four times that of women, one of the leading causes of death for men under the age of 45. 
Another stat is that 80% of teen adult men view porn and the average age of exposure to pornography for what boys is 11 years old, which is crazy to me. And 85% of domestic violence is committed by men. And then also the, ma- the vast majority of mass shootings, gang violence, and serial killings are all perpetuated by men as well. And I remember thinking that also just with shootings, like, yeah, when we think about it, oh my gosh, they are pretty much all men. There's definitely a link here that something, there's something toxic going on. There's some seed of toxicity that's starting from the early ages of manhood. And so my heart broke for these statistics. And I'm sure that you've maybe felt the weight of some of these as well, Nathan. Absolutely. It's, you know, I I don't think there's anyone out there who isn't affected by men and how we act and who we are. And it's unfortunate when I look across culture, whether the headlines of Me Too or the headlines of uh, violence or shootings, it's so often, almost entirely, it's men. It's men acting in such a toxic, hurtful way. And I think that's such a, um, a sad thing to look at. And even across this entertainment and music and books and just modern day media and culture, you see that men in many ways have uh, found themselves in an identity crisis. Uh, and I've said this before, and I'll say it, you know, it again, that men are an identity crisis. And if we don't know who we are, we're going to be looking for, for, for that. As, as humans, we're always going to be looking to live out who we were created to be, who we're made to be, and we don't believe that. And I think that men in their search for who they're created to be, and but with a lack of guidance or understanding, have wandered into such toxic, um, unhealthy places. And so on one hand, I see how men have victimized so uh, so many parts of this world. Uh, they have victimized women and in so many different ways and in so many different areas. But uh, in the same time, I'm also looking at how men very often are victims. And you look at those statistics and they show both. It shows the suicide uh, that men face uh, and the depression um, and the struggles. But you also see how men um, also are the perpetuators of, many, of much pain in the world. So I wanted to take a look into um, not only what men are doing wrong, because that's very apparent to many of us, but instead I also wanted to look on the other side and, and, and search and find what can men do to live rightly? What are, what are the ways, what are the aspects that we can take men away from um, um, the, the toxic traits that we're displaying so readily in this culture and move them towards a healthy, strong uh, vision of who men were created to be? That's so beautiful. And I think that without doing this work, we can often just get stuck in what culture says or what we learned in growing up. Because I do think that these things, these forces, influences start really, really early. And so so for some men potentially listening, this is work that has to, that we may have to, you know, it has to be unraveled where you have to kind of look at all the building blocks. What has made up my manhood to this day? How can I analyze each part of that and kind of just get curious about what made that um, such a big rung of where I put my identity as a man, you know? And so I just want to invite both all the men listening and the women listening, but specifically the men to just keep an open heart and mind as we talk with Nathan about, you know, the different elements of how to be a quote unquote good man. And then for every woman listening to just listen with compassion, listen with 
a heart to seek to understand and also listen with a heart to say, oh, this will help me in figuring out what I really want in a man as well mm-hmm. in the dating scene, right? Because I think oftentimes we we do fall into, as women, we kind of look for some of the normal statistical kind of things. We're going to talk about that, but sometimes that's kind of unhealthy as well. So I'm going to, we're going to kind of wrap back to that later. I have some thoughts, but for you, Nathan, In the past, when you thought about being a good man, what did you think in growing and learning since all the past things? What have you now learned today about being a good man? Absolutely. It's it's such an interesting thing to look back over my life as, you know, growing from a boy to a man. And I explore that in the book um, of uh, all these. I, I think every guy has heard the phrase, you know, what is a real man? You know, I've seen it in commercials that real men don't <laughs> eat salads. Or I've heard my friends when I order, you know, <laughs> Just uh, some wine. <laughs> Real men don't drink wine, you know, real men eat steak or real men do this. And it goes even further than that. And we see it in all these visions and movies and commercials and even in our own homes. Real men don't cry. What are you doing? Buck up. Be a man. And, you know, we have all these voices in our head, uh, men today, of what a real man is. And and even though I was blessed to grow up with such great role models uh, and, and blessed to gr- uh, grow up in such a great family, even still, I grew up in culture and even church and youth group having these voices in my head head of this is a real man. And it wasn't till later in my life when I kind of dissected all these things that I've been told about what a real man was. And I found that many of them were nothing more than surface level images of things. It was how men look, you know, in my mind, when you asked me, I uh, talk about this in the book, wh- what a what a real man is. It was a guy in a leather jacket smoking a cigarette. Uh, you know, he could fight, he could get any girl he wanted to. Um, and he didn't need anything from anybody. And he's really cool. And uh, I- <laughs> There it is. Yep, there it is. That's, that's what I had in my mind is what a real man was. But as I grew up, I realized a lot of those, that's just an image. And that kind of an image never did me any good in the times I was struggling. It never actually helped me find out what my purpose was on this earth, how I was supposed to treat people, how I was supposed to treat myself, how I was supposed to think about things in life and culture. And so I started doing this dive into what is actually not just a, you know, quote unquote, real man, but what is a good man? What does a good man look like when he's living in this world? What are the aspects that surround um, the men in my life who I thought and and see to be good, who are making positive um, effect and difference in their in their lives, the ones who are gentle and kind but strong? Uh, and so I started looking in scripture to find what a good man looks like. And obviously, I went back to kind of the heart of um and the the ultimate picture of what a man is in in his christ is jesus and looking at his behavior how he treated people how he lived the words he said and trying to from there build what i believe um men were created to be from his example and from that vision kind of erasing all the other voices and all the visions we've been given by our families and the church in the world and going back to the ultimate um the ultimate man himself the one who created men himself. And that was Jesus. So that's where I look to find this vision of what a good man is. Yeah, I love that because, and I always try to come back to that for myself too, when I'm talking to men in dialogue, like, hey, you're you're putting yourself on, you're like wringing your hat on this specific character quality. Is that a character quality in line with how Jesus would be as well, mm-hmm. you know? And I think often if we ask ourselves that, we can maybe come to the fact that, oh, maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe this was a cultural influence or maybe a 
unfortunately, it was an influence for my parents because maybe they didn't know better. That's how they were brought up, you know. But is this really in line with the character of Jesus, who is the kind of man that we should be emulating? You know, he really is. Absolutely. And I love also in the book that you said, you know, there's also other figures of memorable men in the book that it's not all about being like a perfect man. And I think that's one uh, that's one difference that I love that you kind of differentiated in the book. So there was a few examples like the, John the Baptist, who was quote unquote crazy, and then Paul, who was basically a murderer, and David, who was an adulterer, of course, and then Peter, who was a liar, and Tomer, who, Toma, Tomer, Thomas, who was a <laughs> doubter, <laughs> and so on and so forth. And so, but even still, God used each one of those people in a big way. And so I love that you made that point that being a good man doesn't necessarily mean a perfect man. And I think that there is a huge pressure on men like this can be a freedom for men to realize, hey, this doesn't mean perfection. There's no, nothing about the word good. It, that means you have to be perfect, right? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think back, um, you know, as a, a high schooler and youth group, and I remember the the books, the Christian books for men at that time. And I remember reading them. And it's nothing that I even disagreed with them. I, I would say, you know, men should do this. They shouldn't do this. They should do this. And I remember wanting to do those things I saw in the book. And they're usually from very, you know, older men who seemed like they had had it figured out and they were now telling us exactly what to do. And I'd read these books and, and watch the videos and listen to the sermons. And I wanted to be this perfect guy that they would talk about a good, you know, a good man do this and they don't do that. Most of it was good men don't do this. And that all of a sudden I found as I grew as a, you know, as an adolescent uh, becoming a man that I wasn't perfect that I had so many faults, I had so many mistakes, and I was left with so much guilt. And then eventually I kind of just became hopeless, to be completely honest, because I kept on dealing with the same mistakes, the same fears, the same failures, the same doubts. And I, and I kind of came to this place where I thought, I don't know if being a good man is for me. I don't know if I was created to be a good man because according to these books and this perfect standard I hear on stages and in pages, um, it's not me. I can't live up to that. And I think a lot of men today are living in that space as well. And that's on the flip side. I think, you know, often while, while it is true, all men hear about themselves is that they are toxic. And of course there's toxic masculinity and there's things that we have to reconcile with and change. But I think that when the narrative is all you are is toxic and bad and, and and that on the opposite end of that, you're expected to be perfect. I think there's a lot of hopelessness in men that they'll ever be able to reach or find that. And so when I was looking in scripture, like you mentioned, what I found is every person from Adam all the way to the end, except for Jesus, was a fallible um, a person who made mistakes. But the one thing that I noticed that differentiated the the good men who got in abusing in his story and the and the weak ones who got who, who didn't end up getting used in great ways in the story was that they had a heart. You know, it says about David that he was a man after God's own heart, and we both know that David made so many mistakes along the way, <laughs> uh, so many, and he was the king who in his line came Christ, came Jesus. And so I wanted to look and say, okay, I've made a lot of mistakes and I continue to make mistakes and I will, but I noticed that in the men that God used, be it Peter, be it Thomas, et cetera, et cetera, be it Paul, they had a heart. 
that when they stumble, they said, no, I'm going to get up and keep on walking. And I believe that God is a God of process and that step by step by step, it's not going to be a perfect journey, but it is a journey that when we take this journey, we can start moving towards who we're, who we were meant to be. It's not going to be one day and we're not going to be perfect. But if we have that heart that says, yes, I want to be a good man and step by step, I'm going to try to be. I think that's where the journey is. It's not about perfection. It's about willingness. Yes. I love that. I've heard a pastor say it's really, who are you becoming by the things you're doing? And I've, mm. I I struggle with that. And I think about that all the time in terms of my habits, in terms of my character and my, my actions and even what I'm doing behind closed doors, you know, but it's really like, who are we becoming? And it's not that we ever arrive either. Like, it's- I thought I'm 31 now. I thought by 31, I'd be like, I'd have it down <laughs> that all those mistakes I made when I was a teenager in my twenties, they'd be gone and they're not, but I am further than I was 10 years ago. Totally. And what, I, what I've come to learn is I've stepped into a role of leadership in ministry in the Christian world and gotten to know lots of leaders um, and male leaders as well is that, oh my gosh, like I admire them. I think they are wonderful, all these different leaders, but in becoming friends with them and getting to know their hearts, there's also a lot of things that they are struggling with themselves individually. And a lot of times we don't see that necessarily, but people Absolutely. are also human. And and that is also part of my sadness for pastors specifically. There's such a pressure that's put on pastors to be very, very, very perfect or ministry leaders. And the reality is we are human, just like all the people you mentioned, John the Baptist, Paul, David, Peter, Thomas, all of them, Adam, right? And we are human and we are going to fall. And so uh, kind of being, a, so I love, you know, first of all, when I can see men of leadership step up to to be authentic, which is one of the rungs we'll talk about, but like to really say like, hey, I'm struggling right now and I am leading you, but I need to also share with you like, hey, I'm also struggling in this area just so you guys know, right? Because uh, sometimes all we see is that perfected image, especially in the Christian church. And we're like, oh, this is how, this is what I'm supposed to obtain. And like you said, it can become helpless because it feels, well, they've unlocked something. They've drank some water that I just don't have access to. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's funny. I think part of it is we live in this culture in uh, the social media culture in which every day we are surrounded by people who are putting their best foot forward and are kind of maybe sitting a little bit behind all the mistakes and, and failures and the things that are hard in their life. We're hiding those. And so we live in a world surrounded by um, people's best foot forward and the, and the clean pictures and the, and the perfect polished images when reality Every one of us is human and struggling, but it can lead us to believe that we are the only ones human and struggling. And I can imagine that women feel that so strongly as well as men. And it's a really hard thing to navigate and figure out for sure. Yes, there's a whole separate episode we'll have to do on <laughs> femininity because there's so much just like being the perfect Christian woman that can mm. infiltrate us as women that I've had lots of struggle with. And especially, I think the area of body as well for women is mm. a big one. But Nathan, I'd love to move forward to just talk through every chapter of your book is basically like a different rung of almost character, if you will, or an element that makes up a good man. So would you be able to just share what those are? I think there's 15, which is a lot, but they're all yeah, important. <laughs> there's a few. I'm going to pull up the list right now. So there's there's heroic, there's brotherly, there's healthy, there's emotional, authentic, romantic, wise, ambitious, um, fighting, simple, servant-hearted, and committed. Mm, 
I love that. It was so cool. And that's what I love for everyone listening. Highly recommend Nathan's book because it is. And um, funny enough, we've talked about this too, Nathan. I kind of my book that's coming out in February 2021 also is broken down by like different kinds of each chapter is like a different rung of the greater theme of the book. Right. And so it makes it so that if you're like, oh, you know what? I'm really struggling with this area today or this is something I need to have be reminded of. You can go to that chapter, read that specific chapter do the discussion questions at the end and I love that about your book that you know that's what you you can certainly and should read the full book but then you can go back and say like hey I want to dive more deep into this and then this and you know so on and so forth and I think that's such it's just like such a helpful practical way to have kind of compiled your book so amazing I would love to dive into some of these topics just individually um we'll see if we can get to all of them but I'm gonna pick <laughs> out there's 15 how can we do this with 30 minutes left <laughs> um two minutes per topic no just kidding I love that you start with adventurous I think that's the first one that you start with and so mm-hmm. do you in in the book you kind of describe it as having a desire to live for something bigger than yourself and to live out an epic story. So why do you think that's important in being a good man? And what does that mean for you? You know, when I began this journey of kind of trying to discover who I was created to be, um, it was at a time I I felt very discouraged. I felt very lost. Um, And I started remembering back to when I was a kid and the first time that I saw Lord of the Rings and that was my first PG-13 movie <laughs> as a Christian. Yes. Sure. Um, <laughs> and, and I, uh, and when I saw it, something ignited in me and suddenly I wanted to be a hero. And, you know, before that was Superman and before that it was someone else, but I had in my heart this desire. And that's why you see so often little boys running around with, you know, sticks that they're pretending to be swords and capes pretending to be superheroes because in the heart of every little boy is a desire to live in a story and to tell a story with their lives and to be a hero to do to live for something greater than yourself you know i'm right now i I have no shame admitting i'm watching back through the marvel movies and (laughs) as a 31 year old man i'm still like tearing up and and getting getting inspired because i'm remembering no i want to live a good story with my life and i think that there's so many men who are depressed and lost and a little bit hopeless and so i think one of the first things that i want men to understand is that it's to remember the call in their heart that they wanted to live for something bigger, that they wanted to live a story, to remember that voice, because it is the voice of God. And God is calling us into a life that is bigger than ourselves and that has purpose and meaning, and that will give our lives and our decisions direction. And so that's kind of what the adventures chapter is about. It's it's remembering that call that lives in the hearts of a little boy, all the way to the hearts of men who are 31 and still love watching superhero movies. I love that. Yeah, I do believe that is so big. to, And I've actually encountered just when I it comes to the context of dating when I'm dating a guy who doesn't who's not in touch with his adventurous spirit it is so apparent mm. because it almost impacts his desire to get excited for pursuit um, because the adventurous part it's like I want to pursue something I think also your chapter the heroic chapter also kind of goes into some of that too but the, without that adventurous spirit and being awakened to maybe some sort of vision and excitement for what God has in that area there's almost a lack of like desiring to to really pursue it all and that's just what I've experienced and had to challenge guys in the past where like I really think you're wonderful but I think maybe you have to figure out a way to ignite this for yourself first <laughs> you know absolutely absolutely 
Yeah, because that really does affect once you come into dating, your drive and your excitement for even the journey that is relationship. <laughs> and that's something I think, and, and I, would, I would urge every woman listening when they are looking for a man or dating one or you know in relationship with one, does he have drive to live for something bigger than himself? Does he have the desire to live out a good story? Because if you tie yourself to him, you will be living in the story he's telling. And if it's a small, sad um, um, depressing story, then that's the story you're going to be living. But if it's one that is big and great and calls um, and, and calls him to something better than himself, uh, then you're going to be with a man who is doing things in the world and who actually actively is telling a great story um, with his life. So I encourage you to seek out that kind of man. And that's the kind of man that I'm still trying to be every day. Yeah. And I love that. And that also is a journey. And we had a guest on a while ago, Ben Stewart, who said, we're not looking for perfect. We're looking for perfectible. So is the man, maybe he mm. doesn't know exactly where he's going, exactly all that he's doing, but is he, is his heart ignited to pursue it no matter what, even in the journeys of the wilderness and the desert. And, you know, we all have those seasons, but that's what I look for too. It's like, ah, is he living for something bigger than himself? And is his eyes fixed on that even in the seasons of hardship? Yes, the eyes fixed. I love that. It's the desire. It's great. Hey friends, we wanted to quickly interrupt this incredible episode today to bring to you something that we're really excited about. We hear women saying all the time, where are all the good Christian men out there? And while I know dating is frustrating, trust me, I hear it. I also know God created amazing single Christian men. If you like some proof of that, ladies, then I'd like to invite you to come see them for yourself in our Drop the Hanky digital dating program. We created this platform as a new form to online date. Basically, it's a service that features videos of Christian single men from around the world of varying ages. We post new single men on the platform daily. Here's one testimonial that we recently got and just loved. The Lord has shown me that he can bring healing from brokenness. This is what I'm experiencing as I've connected with one of the guys in the program. No, we don't enter as a blank slate, but the Lord is helping me see that my past does not dictate the future. There is hope, restoration, and reconciliation. No matter where this relationship leads, the Lord is calling me to embrace what's in front of me. That is good, that is different, and He truly makes things new. This was the best $9 I have ever spent. You guys, I just love that. We have so many testimonials like this, and we do have relationships coming from the Drop the Hanky program, which is such a testimony to what God is doing here. Now, if you want to give it a shot, I want to encourage you to come join us for $9 by visiting bit.ly forward slash drop the hanky. And also, dudes, you're not off the hook. We want you to be a part of this as well. It takes two to tango. And in order to make this program thrive, we do need guys to submit videos for the program. So if you are a single dude or if you know an eligible single Christian dude, we want to invite you to nominate them or nominate yourself. You can do this by going to bit.ly forward slash single dude. Now, I know it takes vulnerability, but guys, isn't it worth a shot to try something different and have a whole bunch of women potentially contact you and then see what happens? I'd say it is. Here's what one of the guys in our program had to say. Drop the hanky has challenged me to put myself out there knowing there would be some sort of response. It's 10,000 times better than a dating app. It gave me an opportunity to meet awesome women who love God. You guys, this is awesome. We'd love to see more singles of all ages come and join what we are doing.
Okay, so the next quality, which I love, was devout. So uh, I think that this is really important. And especially this, uh, this topic, when it comes to dating, I find, you know, there's a pretty specific pressure that is put on men to be this ideal spiritual person and even quote unquote, the perfect spiritual leader. And I also think, you know, women put this pressure on men as well. And um, I've seen it all the time on the back end with conversations I have with women that they want a man with a very specific kind of faith. faith. He has to have a degree in theology. He has to make sure he's always been abstinent until marriage. He can only post the best encouraging Bible verses on social media. He can never drink, or if he does, like only one glass of wine, right? (laughs) And never watch something like Game of Thrones ever in his life. And, you know, just all of this specific pressure. Oh, he has to be the one leading prayer every time. And I see just a very specific, and ladies who are listening, yes, I'm calling you out if that is you, okay? And I also (laughs) will admit I've done that. It's like, no, you have to be such a very specific kind of spiritual leader. All of that is exhausting, you know, and it's, it's limiting. And again, I think it perpetuates that men have to be perfect. And I think if anything, ladies, we need to learn that spiritual leadership and being a devout man of God is so is important, but it can look different for each man. So um, Nathan, I'm curious for you, what this has looked like for you, and even how what I just said, maybe it was impact you in the realm of dating as well. Absolutely. It, it, that's such an interesting, it's an interesting kind of subject to wrestle with <laughs> because, you know, having things that you look for in someone, priorities, those are good things. Looking yeah. for a man who has aspects of someone you want to be with, that that is a wonderful thing. But sometimes we can get lost in those and, and miss seeing his heart. We can get lost in, again, the outward appearance and miss seeing the heart. You know, God says that man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And for me, devout, again, I know this is a little abstract and and we always want something so practical, but very often um, being devout is, is something, it, it's a heart position and it's a heart issue. And it won't look like the same from one guy to another. Um, I have known uh, a lot of girls in my life, sorry to call you out girls, but who basically want to date the millennial pastor yes. and that kind oh of my gosh. image. For, and by the way, millennial pastors are awesome. I'm friends with them. Um, they're amazing, but there's so many kind of different ways to be devout and it's going to look differently. Me and my brother are polar opposites. I am talkative. I am extroverted. I like to say what I think I like, and he, he's more introverted and he, and he's more methodical in the way he thinks about things. And he's, and he's deeply creative on the inside and we're so different, but both of us are devout men who love God and the way we exercise and live out our calling and our love for God looks so different, but it is, but both are good. And I think being devout is a heart issue. Again, it goes back to the heart issue of, are you seeking God and are you seeking to use your decisions and choices in your life to say yes to him at every moment. And the yes you say to God will look different than the man standing next to you. But it is, you're looking for something that's more in the interior of a man than the exterior when you're looking for someone devout. Yes, that's so good. I often just say to women specifically, like, hey, what fruit is he showing in his life of being a disciple of Christ? That's important. But like, it's going to be different, you know? So um, I have also known guys that could that maybe have worked for churches and or could quote every single scripture but then behind closed doors are different when it comes to their yes. character and relationship so I mean great if somebody knows and can quote different areas of the Bible like that's great that's awesome 
awesome. But it's also like you can know something and also not live it out through your heart. And I've been challenged with that in my own life, you know, where it's like, oh, I can talk the talk, but am I truly walking that walk? And, uh, and I think that again, if we do look just for all that external, we're going to be limiting and we actually may be looking for the wrong things. So my heart just breaks specifically for men in this area. Um, because yeah, I do think we need a higher calling to spiritual uh, disciplines and to become disciples of Christ and to really sort those things out in the heart. And there should be accountability for both genders. But I also think there's like a very specific pressure on men. And I think that uh, in dating, it's so specific that I'm like, we need to debunk that a bit, you know? And so I loved this chapter. That's why I'm harping on it because I'm like, ah, this, this impacts dating so much in the Christian world. (laughs) Absolutely. No, absolutely does. I love what you have to say on that. Okay. So there's a few other amazing qualities I want to go over. I mean, we have heroic and honest, so important, but I actually want to skip right now to brotherly because I love this chapter. I love all of them. I'll probably keep saying that, but I think brotherly having true brothers uh, is so 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 important Mm. and you mentioned in the book about a story about your mentor guy and honestly he just sounds like the man I love I love absolutely is and I think it's so cool and you talk about also these guys that you guys you would meet around a fire pit and just have these honest discussions there's diversity in age and different life statuses and stuff like that and uh, I just think that is so important and, and the more I date specifically, the more I realize the guys that come off all amazing and, and perfect on like at first, often what I find is that sometimes I can't actually trust those things unless I also see who they're spending their time with mm-hmm. and who they're opening up to and being vulnerable with. And I think vulnerability, and this brings out the topic of kind of vulnerability, is so important. And I think you need to have that in a relationship, a romantic relationship. But I think it first starts with figuring out how to do that in the context of brotherhood. So how has that been important? And why do you, why did you put that in the book? Absolutely. It's interesting. My personality type, it tends towards wanting to be the loner, wanting to do things (laughs) on my own, wanting to figure it out by myself. And that's, I think that's something a lot of guys have dealt with. I think it's kind of even perpetuated in these images that we've talked about earlier. You know, it's a cool loner smoking a cigarette in a leather jacket. He doesn't need anybody. And that's kind of my proclivity in life. I can figure it out by myself. But what I've found as I look back through my life, that when I've humbled myself and entered community and being that with a group of friends who are pushing me to my best self, being that with um, by opening up to a mentor or, um, you know, I I have no problem saying that I have uh, weekly meetings with a counselor, a therapist. Because Amazing. I want someone's voice in my life, a third party who is who is looking at what is going on in me and who can tell me and give me wisdom, who is further along than me, who might be able to see things I can't. And I think one of the, the things that um, is so hard for men, but it, at the same time is so necessary for a healthy man, is finding people and mentors to put around you. And I think when you are looking, uh, when women are looking for a man, I'd say, Look at the man, but also look who he's spending time with. Look who he's looking up to, because that's the kind of man he's going to be, and that's the kind of man he's becoming. And so for me, 
I'm the healthiest in my life. And there's many times, many years in which I haven't done this. And I have found myself in deep unhealth as a result of it. But when I've humbled myself, learned to be authentic, learned to enter community and say, I need help, whether that's in a therapist's office or sitting around a fire like I do with uh, my mentor guy and, and friends, that is where I find wisdom that is poured into me. And I can take that and be a better man in my life. It is so necessary for men on this journey to become a good man, to surround yourself with other good men and to watch and be taught by other men who have gone further than you in their life so they can offer you wisdom and insight and in everything you're going through. But it's such an important aspect of a good man is who he spends time with and, and, and if he spends time with other good men. Yeah, this has been one of, it truly is like, I, I have found that the guys I've dated that have true amazing mentorship or people in their life that acts, that acts like a mentor, people that they can learn from, it, it makes such a difference for how they show up in a relationship you know often I find to your point earlier that a lot of guys are like oh I just process things by myself you know I just I'm I yeah. only process it kind of by myself I'm, I'm self-sufficient but I think that's a problem <laughs> um, and it's, it's in and there's so many and I've it, it's hard because I don't want to say it that directly sometimes but I'm like in my mind like this is an orange flag right here if not a red flag because our minds can play tricks on us first of all so they're like oh it's just me and God working it out. I'm like, totally, definitely work it out with God. That's great. But also a lot of times we also need the physical words of somebody else that we know and trust. And that also knows us really deeply. Like we have to be able Absolutely. to be seen by people and be constantly in contact with them. So people who have listened to this podcast before and know that I say this, but it is so important to have what I say a, is a life board of advisors. <laughs> that's what I say. And that's what I have is like around six people ish. Sometimes mine's a little bit bigger than that, but of like different mentors and or some of them are peers, but they're people who are keeping me accountable and people who I want. And they're pretty much all women in that group. Um, I do have one male pastor person in that list, but they're all people that I'm like learning from growing from that I can yes. come to being like, Hey, I don't know. This is happening. I don't know what I'm doing here. I feel really alone in this. Or I feel like my identity is being rocked. Like, and I need to share that with someone. And I just need encouragement and accountability. Can you be there for me? And it is like, and in dating, this is what I do. You know, if I'm so mad at a guy and I think he's just wronged me completely, I can come to my mentor group and be like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is truly the situation. You know me fully. What am I missing here? And then they can direct me like, hey, we love you and totally understand why that you might be upset about that. Also, I think you're missing this or also remember this is your tendency, you know, and there's perspective. Yes. yes, where it's like, oh, oh, yeah, thanks. OK, I need that. You know what I mean? And so it is just so essential. I love even in this chapter too, Nathan, you talk about how there's a pub in Oxford uh, called the Eagle and Eagle and Child, or what is it called? Yes. Something like that? <laughs> Eagle and Child, yeah. Yes. And it's where C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien and Warren Barfield and a few others, I mean, you know, these are the authors of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, and some of the greatest professors and thinkers of the, of the 20th century. And they would meet in this little pub and they would talk about ideas. They would talk about their work. They would sharpen each other. They give each other new perspective. Um, and the stories, I got a chance to go and sit there um, uh, not too long ago. And it's just amazing to think about how these giants of theology 
theology and, and thought and story um, still needed other people in their lives to give them perspective and encouragement and wisdom. And it takes, I, I want to just jump off of what you said a little bit. I, I love that you have um, people in your life and I, and I encourage everyone to find that. And sometimes it's hard. Believe me, guys, I do know it's hard to find people. I still struggle to find it. So I do know that struggle. But when you do, it is a blessing. So keep on seeking it out. But I love having people around me because it does take humility. It takes humility for me to go to someone with questions and say, I don't know how to do this, or I, I can't see what's going on, or I think I messed up. And so it does take humility. And so you know that when you're looking at a man who does have mentors and does have people around him, that this is a man who has learned and is practicing humility, which is such an important thing to God and in relationships. Oh, that is so good. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And there's actually one other thing that was coming up for me on this topic of brotherly. I love that it's brotherly not just community yes. because what I have found sometimes also in dating is that there's some men who tell me, well, but like I actually connect better with women than I do guys. And so therefore most of my friends are women <laughs> and I, I have some issues with that. We don't have to go through all of that, but um, <laughs> I, I often am like that there's an issue there to, if you can't, can't bring yourself. What is my question is what is stopping you from finding and developing true brotherly friendships. And clearly it's easier to connect with women. I understand we're really emotional. So it's probably easy for us, to, for you to share your emotions with us, right? It's like women, we sit on the couch crying, holding each other all the time. You're relational. <laughs> like, You're relational. Exactly. And I get it takes more courage to maybe do that to guy with guys. But to me, it's problematic when a guy is like, oh, I actually have more women friends because I connect more with women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's an interesting thing. And that, you know, goes into I'm sure you have a whole nother podcast. Can men and women be friends? And yes, they can is what I believe. But I do. I grew up with sisters and a mom. So I grew up in a strong woman culture. And so I love the insight and the perspective of women. But there is something so unique about the journey of men and the journey of women. And so on my particular journey as a man, um, it is so helpful, especially in relationships, especially um, in, in dealing with what comes in life and the pressures, the very unique pressures that men face and having strong men who've experienced this and have wisdom into this surround me. Um, but that does not mean that I don't uh, love the wisdom of the women, I, women in my life, but I do find a very unique wisdom um, from the men in my life. Uh, and I think it's so important for us to surround ourselves with people who have been on the same journey as us and who have dealt with the same things and thought the same thoughts and doubted the same doubts and because they will have insight and wisdom into our journeys. Yes, yes, yes. It's so good. Woo. Okay. Thanks for that curveball that I threw at you. I just like, <laughs> and what about men and women and friends? Um, and actually, um, I don't even think we have done a podcast about that. So this will be happening this season, everybody. Yes. Um, I've talked about it on Instagram before at length. I agree with you. Men and women can be friends. And I have a lot to say on that. So for another time, thanks for bringing it up. Boundaries. <laughs> exactly. Boundaries, Boundaries. <laughs> and lots of communication. That's it. Okay. I want to move on to another really important quality that I'm really passionate about as well, but it's the uh, emotional <laughs> and almost mm -hmm. kind of tied into what we just said about learning Absolutely. 
you know, having brotherly friendships means you have to learn how to be open and to be emotional. And what I love that you referenced was the movie, I don't think you named it in the book, but you basically referenced the movie Inside Out in the book and your journey of like trying to stuff (laughs) something and go see that movie by yourself. And Nathan, I just will have, I will have you know, I referenced that movie twice in my book that's about to come out next year. Yeah, I love that movie. Actually, I saw it for the first time. I was like, meh, but then I got more in touch with myself and um (laughs) then now I watch it and I'm like oh my gosh this is such a cool movie and I cry every time it is very much a quality of being a quote-unquote real man to compartmentalize to shut down to to have it all together um you know, we are socialized, men are socialized, boys are socialized at a young age so differently than girls in that if you are crying, you are a mama's boy, right? And that's just, it's like a negative thing for little boys. But it's so funny because the reverse is for little girls, the the opposite is what little girls are called are daddy's girls. And there there's nothing negative about that connotation or nothing shaming about being a daddy's girl, but there's something so shaming about being a mama's boy. And especially when boys cry um, and the whole concept of, you know, real men don't cry. They have it all together. You know, you mentioned this before, but I think that this does lead to just such a helplessness. Like, wait, but I have emotions, but I can't express them. So over time, it leads to, and to me, honestly, I think this is a huge reason why the statistics are so high in suicide that we mentioned earlier, that they're four times that of women because they don't, I don't feel like men feel like they can, that they're safe to have an outlet to be emotional. So what does this journey look like for you? And how can men start to break these barriers for themselves? Yeah, it, it's really interesting as I look at humanity in the world, I see that everyone is living with pain. Every single person in the world is living with pain. Um, and pain has to have a way, there's a great quote by um, kind of this mystic thinker. And he said, whatever, whatever pain we have that isn't transformed will be transferred. And essentially meaning the pain will make it out some way. We'll, we will exercise this pain out some way. And I think the reason you see so many negative things coming from men in the world is because they haven't learned to process their pain in healthy ways. And I think a lot of that comes from whether it's social or cultural pressure by men not you know, we're not supposed to cry. We're not supposed to show emotion uh, or at least any kind of emotion that is quote unquote weak. And so what you see is a lot of very angry young men. You see a lot of very violent young men because they have pain inside of them, but they don't know how to process it in any healthy way. So it comes out in very destructive, unhealthy ways. But I think learning how to get in touch with our emotions is something that's so valuable, not only for us, but for the world and the people around us who we affect. Because when we are in touch with our emotions and we learn to process this pain and the hardships of life in healthy ways, um, then we can go on and live healthily and be kind and gentle and good to the people around us. But if we don't, we're going to spew on everyone around us. Um, And so I think it's so important for men to learn this value uh, of getting in touch with their emotions. But I think a lot of it is unlearning too. It's unlearning these voices that say that men don't cry, that men aren't emotional, that men don't feel sadness. And I say this as someone who does struggle with this. You know, I'm an actor and I remember maybe it was a couple of years ago, I was hired for a role in a TV show where I had a very emotional scene where I had to cry. I had to break down and cry. And it was such a difficult experience for me because I don't, I don't, I'm not, I I have no problem is I'm not 
completely healthy in learning how to um, express my emotions. And that's a journey I'm on and I've been on because I do know it's important, even though I'm not good at it. And maybe I never will be. I do know how vitally important it is to learn how to express emotions in healthy ways, in healthy places. And I think if we don't, it'll only come to the detriment of us and other people. So it, it again, it's a lot of unlearning. It's saying, what voices do I have in my head that are keeping me from health, that are keeping me from getting in touch with my emotions? And it's getting rid of those voices and taking up a new vision, again, of who men were created to be. And good men were created to be emotional. And one last thing, look at the verse. It, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And Jesus's friend Lazarus dies and Jesus sits there and it says, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. And to me, it's one of the most powerful because this, this man, the ultimate man, the creator of the universe, he said, it's okay that I let my emotions be shown. In fact, he, he knew it was good. And so that's the image I'm working towards as I'm dealing and learning how to express my emotions is that a strong man, a God can cry, can yes. weep. Yes. I think that's one of the characteristics we often forget to, to kind of look at in Jesus. Like he wept. I love that. And you mentioned that in the book. I'm like, yeah, he was a crier. It's actually making me think <laughs> of the holiday Jude Law. And he's like, I'm yeah. a weeper. I'm a, we I'm, <laughs> I'm a hopeless weeper or whatever. Um, it's so good. It made me think of that. And it's so, I mean, I love Jude Law and the fact that he can be a dad and weep and have like mm -hmm. these cute characteristics characteristics of being a, a single dad and it's so sweet like I love he's not a perfect person neither is his character but I, I loved that part of that movie I was like yes see everybody we can have men that cry and it's attractive <laughs> absolutely I think guys don't know that too I have found that women actually like it when you are, yes. are willing to show your emotions show the inside of you be soft be gentle show the tender parts of yourself I have found that that is something that women actually look for so yes. guys this is a thing we should practice even if only just to get a date so you know yeah, exactly <laughs> and um if i could just offer for everyone listening being like yeah that's me i'm stuffing compartmentalizing Two things I would just recommend um, is, well, Nathan said one of them, therapy, great way to just try to practice to be emotional because you're going to have yeah. to like break down some things. And it's a really safe place to do that, you know, with you and just one person in a room, lots mm -hmm. of tissues, you know, and yes. it, it really does. I mean, maybe not in the first session, but it does allow hey, you maybe. to, yeah, or maybe, maybe you just the whole <laughs> session's a weeping fest. That's great. All the power to you. But another thing, and actually a mentor of mine and really good friend, Mike Foster, I asked him about this a while ago and he recommended the book um, to go deeper into emotional, it, the book, Emotional Agility and just understanding and breaking down how, what emotions mean and how we can get in touch with them and express them. And I've, I've actually kind of tried to tap into this more for myself as well. We often use basic feelings and emotions. We're like, I'm either sad or I'm angry, but those are really basic, right? And there's more characteristics. So maybe instead of sad, that it's I'm grieved or instead of angry, it's I'm frustrated or I feel a lot of angst and um, or I feel anxiety. But oftentimes we don't we don't use those. We only use like the basic ones and we have to because that's all we really know. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm happy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like saying three colors when there's so many. I love the learning the verbiage, learning, getting new vocabulary for how we're feeling. That's great. Yeah. And then the last moment thing I'll say on this topic is that another one. 
of your qualities is romantic and we won't get into we won't be able to get into all of them I wish we could but I just need to say as well that I actually believe the rung of emotional like uh, agility not agility I just said that as the book but um, being in touch with your emotions I think that this also can affect how much you're able to be to truly connect romantically as well <laughs> with absolutely, a partner so absolutely yeah it really is connected to so many different things Nathan there's so many topics we didn't even get to but that's why everyone's gonna have to go out and get your book good man which is so good um awesome segue into saying that and where can they find it if they want to do that they can find it anywhere books are sold amazon barnes and noble uh you know just email me and I'll send you one. So, you know, you can find anywhere, but I'd be so honored if you'd grab a copy. So incredible. So you, you're you not off the hook just yet because every episode I end with the exact same question, Nathan. So <laughs> you have to answer it too, but what is your final nugget of dating advice for the Heart of Dating listeners today? Oh, that's great. Um, you know, this is something I thought about for many years and still think about as I watch my friends and there's so many things I want to say, but I think the the one I found to be the most important and essential is I would say, ladies, when you are looking for a man or and, and, and vice versa, men, when you're looking for a woman, a good woman, I'd say find someone who is a whole person. And what I mean by that is look for someone who isn't just looking to be in a relationship, who isn't just looking for something fun or to figure it out. Look for someone who has an idea of who they are. They're self-actualized. They have passions. They have direction. They have uh, convictions. They read. They think. Um, that's the kind of person you want to be with. There's an old, you know, the old quote from the movie is, you know, you complete me. I think that's terrible. Yes. And I'm so sorry if anyone loves it out there because, you no. know, as my youth pastor said, I still I remember this when I was 16. He said that quote implies that 50, a half a person and a half person get together. No, look for someone who is a whole person and you yourselves, men and women, learn to be whole people before you enter that dating um, relationship because the best relationships are comprised of two whole people together. So that would be my 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 dating advice. The one that I found is the most important. I love that. Brilliant. It's so good. Yes, yes, yes. I couldn't agree more with you, Nathan. If people want to connect with you specifically, how did how can they do that? You can find me on um, Instagram or Facebook. Just type in Nathan Clarkson and I'll be there. I love getting messages. I love connecting with great people. So please drop me a line. And you can also go to my website at NathanClarkson.me. Yes. Awesome. Nathan, this is such an amazing conversation. I'm so glad we got to have it. I love your heart for this topic. And just thank you for being a voice in this specific area that is really, really needed. It's incredible. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor. All right, y'all. How about that conversation with Nathan Clarkson today? He is such an incredible man. <laughs> Irony that this episode is all about being a good man. But I really hope that you will take some time to think about this for yourself. How have these different areas of your life been impacted through cultural influences or your family of origin, upbringing, or just anything else that have made you think that you have to be a specific way when it comes to being a good man? I want to encourage you as well to go ahead and purchase Nathan's book, Good Man. It's really an incredible read and it's super practical and really easy to get through. Also, if you want to connect more with Nathan, go ahead and visit NathanClarkson.me. He would love to connect with you guys. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. I just love our Heart of Dating family and I will see you next week. 
This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.